Hello and welcome to another edition of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. I am your host, Gabe Jones. This is a weekly news update for the week of August 13th, 2018. And I must apologize again, as I've done before, uh, for the irregularity of these postings. Uh, seems to be maybe about every other week now or so that I'm getting to this. And um, no, uh, no excuses other than just uh, things going on here in the office that have taken time and uh, not allowed me to get to sit down and record these podcasts every week. So thank you for continuing to listen, and thank you for subscribing to the Catholic Gateway Podcast, as many of you have, I'm sure, on uh, iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, uh, other podcast apps. I have Podcast Addict on my phone. That's one you might be able to use. So just search for us on your favorite podcast app. Search for Archdiocese of St. Louis, and if you can't find us, let us know and email us at communications at archstl.org. So all that being said, here we are back for another week, again, August 13th, 2018, and let's delve into some of the things happening in and around the Archdiocese of St. Louis. New websites have launched for the Archdiocese and the St. Louis Review, archstl.org, stlouisreview.com, and catholicstlouis.com. Our new websites are contemporary digital spaces that emphasize our mission and care for the community with an improved user experience. If you have any trouble navigating these new sites, please reach out to us via email at communications at archstl.org. These new websites are mobile responsive, so you can look at them on your phone or a tablet, as well as a desktop. So again, hope you enjoy these new websites and find them useful. And again, if you have any issues or trouble navigating them, please email us at communications at archstl.org. Most Reverend Robert J. Carlson, Archbishop of St. Louis, and the Incarnate Word Foundation announced the creation of a new nonprofit startup called the St. Joseph Housing Initiative at a press conference at the end of July. The initiative is a faith-based entity with the goal to produce housing for low- and moderate-income families in the St. Louis area. The St. Louis Review recently had an article on the new initiative, and the St. Louis Post-Dispatch published a guest column by Archbishop, both of which you can read online for more information. If you'd like to know more or want to get involved, send an email to St. Joseph Housing, STL. That's all one word. There's no, no periods or anything in it. St. Joseph Housing, STL, at gmail.com. I'll include the email as well as the links to the St. Louis Review article and the Post-Dispatch guest column from Archbishop in the podcast description. July 22nd through 26th, Over 2,800 deacons and their wives gathered for the 2018 Deacon Congress in New Orleans, the first in more than 20 years. Attending the Congress from St. Louis were Deacon Dale Fullen, Deacon Mike and Mary Elaine Sudden, Deacon Phil and Kathy King, Deacon Jerry and Diane Stoverink, and candidate for the 2022 class, Robert and Judy Shipp, as well as the director of the Office of the Diaconate, Deacon Chris Ost. Deacon Ost said the Congress was an overpowering experience. There were so many guys there and wives and families that we could not fit in the original cathedral where the, the, first, the opening mass was planned. Rather, we moved to the Grand Ballroom at the Marriott, and we even had to, um, to, to put chairs in, a, uh, in, a, in an outside room because to fit the overflow. So it was a really great, moving, inspiring event. There was a whole host of cardinals there, plus bishops. Uh, we met people from Germany, from Australia, from rural United States, from Hawaii. There was a contingent of almost 80 folks that came from Hawaii, folks from Puerto Rico and Mexico, 
Austria. It was it was an extremely awesome experience, one that one that you just can't really describe. It was so overpowering. The Congress began with Mass and comments from the Papal Nuncio, Archbishop Christophe Pierre, and a keynote homily from Archbishop Amund from New Orleans. The deacons also heard from Cardinal Tobin of Newark, Bishop McKnight from next door in the Jeff City Diocese here in Missouri, Archbishop Aquila from Denver, Cardinal Donardo from Houston, and more. The event was held to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the restoration of the permanent diaconate in the United States. The Archdiocese of St. Louis has recently received numerous questions regarding a newer cremation process called alkaline hydrolysis. This cremation process uses a chemical solution instead of heat to reduce the human body to liquid and bones. After the body has been bathed in the chemical solution for a few hours, the process leaves behind liquid and bones. The the liquid is disposed of through the sewer system, while the bones are turned to ash and returned to the family. The Archdiocese of St. Louis advises Catholics to avoid alkaline hydrolysis until another suitable means of disposing of the liquid remnant can be established. The Archdiocese of St. Louis has created some educational materials on the subject, including a short video, which can be found on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash archstlmedia. A group of 18 St. Louis area Catholics is making a pilgrimage to Dublin, Ireland for the World Meeting of Families, which officially takes place August 21st through 26th. The World Meeting of Families is held every three years and was most recently held in Philadelphia in 2015. Of course, that was part of a much larger visit by Pope Francis to the United States. And Pope Francis will, of course, be visiting the World Meeting in Ireland as well. Melissa Keating with the Archdiocesan Office of Marriage and Family Life has been assisting with logistics and details and is looking forward to the trip. I think what I'm most excited about is just to kind of journey to our own religious heritage. Because if you're from the U.S., whether you're of Irish heritage or not, Ireland has really shaped our faith here in the States so much. So I'm so excited to go and see what formed those first pilgrims and all those missionary priests who made our country Christian, really. I'm excited to go to Knock and to visit places that were so meaningful to St. Patrick. And and then I'm just really excited to go and be formed at the World Meeting of Families to just celebrate with people from all over the world just how beautiful the family really is. The group leaves Thursday, August 16th and returns on August 27th. Stay tuned to Archdiocesan social media channels for updates throughout those 10 days. One. 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 Unos. Two. 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 Duos. Three. 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 Tres. One, two, three, four, five. Four. 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 Cuatro. Five. 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 Quinque. Quintessentials. 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 Five things you need to know. Five things you need to know. Five things you need to know. I'll give you five things you need to know. That's right. These are the five quintessential stories from the St. Louis Review, handpicked by the staff for you to share and discuss this week. You can find these stories at the website of the St. Louis Review, stlouisreview.com, or in the paper dated August 13th through 19th, 2018. One. 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 Connecting body and soul through prayer and exercise. Soul core classes at St. Catherine Laboray incorporate the rosary into exercise routines. The St. Louis Review's summer intern, Joe Slama, explains in this story. Two. 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 Ordained to a life of work and prayer. Abbe Alex Barga, new subdeacon for the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest, 
was drawn to community and prayer life. His ordination took place in St. Louis at St. Francis de Sales Oratory on August 2nd. And Joe Slama also has this article. Three. 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 The path to better vaccines. The development of a shingles vaccine without the use of aborted fetal cell lines is prompting Catholic leaders to encourage ethical development of other immunizations. Jennifer Brinker delved into this topic in this week's St. Louis Review edition and will join me in the second half of the podcast to discuss her article. Four. 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 Parish honors its patroness with works of art. Joe Kenny's article explains how St. Mary Magdalene Parish in Brentwood decided to spotlight the Apostle to the Apostles with a new statue and stained glass window. Five. 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 Here I am, Lord. I've come to do your will. Father Ricky Valroy views health issues of a year ago as a gift from God, and Dave Luking talked to Father and shares his story this week. There's a look at what is happening around the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Remember, for these stories, events, and more, visit stlouisreview.com and archstl.org, and follow the Archdiocese of St. Louis and the St. Louis Review on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the Catholic Gateway Podcast weekly news update for this week, August 13th, 2018. We will be getting to the second half of the podcast in just a second, and my interview with Jennifer Brinker on her story this week about vaccines and not using aborted fetus stem cell lines. This is usually the point in the podcast where we uh, share either an evangelization tip like we, we did all last year. This year we moved into, as you may remember, if you've been listening to these episodes, we've been talking about precepts of the church and what those mean and definitions and ideas and reflections about those. I don't have one pre-recorded for this week, unfortunately, but I did want to delve into this real quick before we get to that interview with Jennifer Brinker. You know, you may be familiar with the precepts of the church if you had a uh, religion class or a catechism class or maybe a PSR class or something growing up as you were preparing for First Communion or Confirmation. Maybe even as an adult, you've done some adult faith formation and you've learned the precepts of the church. Well, maybe Catholics of a certain age remember that there were six precepts of the church. And that's what we were using to base this year's rotation with these podcasts. We were going to focus on six precepts of the church. Uh, There's an interesting um, tidbit that maybe uh, you have noticed if you've read the catechism. The catechism lists five precepts of the church. Those precepts would be, uh, this is in paragraph, starting in paragraph 2041 of the catechism. The five precepts are, you shall attend mass on Sundays and on holy days of obligation and rest from servile labor. The second precept, you shall confess your sins at least once a year. The third precept is you shall receive the sacrament of the Eucharist at least during the Easter season. The fourth, you shall observe the days of fasting and abstinence established by the church. And then the fifth precept, you shall help to provide for the needs of the church, and that's especially materially. So the sixth one, which is not in the catechism but was taught in many American parishes and even over in Great Britain, The sixth one was uh, basically that uh, Catholics were to observe the laws of the church concerning marriage. There's a nice article from Our Sunday Visitor, and I know I'm sending you out to another publication. Uh, This is from Our Sunday Visitor, and Monsignor Charles Pope has a column from a couple years ago explaining why there are five in the catechism and some Catholics were taught six. So I will include this link in the podcast description, 
and you can go read more about it there. Uh, but it is it is very interesting and could maybe help in your faith formation. Regardless, the precepts are interesting. They're kind of just a bare minimum roadmap for us to follow in our lives as Catholics. Again, the Catechism says that the precepts of the Church are positive laws, sometimes called commandments, made by the Church to guarantee for the faithful the indispensable minimum in prayer and moral effort for the sake of their growth in love of God and neighbor. So basically, it's just the bare minimum. These precepts lay out the bare minimum we need to do to live a life in Christ. Obviously, we're called to much more, but these are just a good roadmap, signposts along the way to help us do the right thing. So throughout the rest of this year, as I am able to produce these weekly news updates, we will continue following along with the precepts of the church and share more insight into the precepts and some suggestions and ideas for ways you can follow them and grow more in your faith using these as a roadmap. So stay tuned for that throughout the rest of 2018. And again, if you want to check out that article explaining whether it's five or six precepts of the church, I'll link to that in the podcast description. Jennifer Brinker seemed to like delving into these interesting, maybe controversial topics, don't you? <laughs> you have a knack for that sort of thing. Sometimes they just come across <laughs> my desk, yes. <laughs> so in this week's edition of the St. Louis Review, this is from uh, August 13th through 19th, 2018. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Brinker has this article in the Living Our Faith section mm-hmm. all about vaccines and ethical vaccines. So um, you kind of, you know, this is this is a hornet's nest. And I think mm-hmm. you did a good job, though, of kind of, you know, not getting stung. Yeah. <laughs> <If> you, <laughs> maybe that's too far to take the analogy. Well, but, we haven't gotten much feedback yeah. yet. It just came out. So <laughs> but so let's let's delve into this. So what what was the issue here? And, and why did you, you know, what did you want to delve into in this article? Right. So the whole reason this issue came up and and to be clear it, it this is in relation to vaccines and there are certain vaccines that have been developed um, that use aborted fetal tissue um, so st- some stem cell lines um, using tissue from an aborted baby just to be very frank so what came up uh, back in October of last year GlaxoSmithKline developed or had approved by the FDA a vaccine for adult shingles and it's called Chingrix and it was developed without the use of aborted fetal cell lines. Um, There is another shingles vaccine out there that does use that. So in May the bishops um, started having some communications about this and saying hey this is a great thing what GlaxoSmithKline has done. This could really be an opportunity for us to educate the Catholic faithful about the connection between abortion and vaccines and also to encourage um, our healthcare providers and our drug manufacturers to do more of this kind of either development or use of vaccines without aborted fetal cell lines. And so, you know, you might think, um, okay, well, why is the church getting into this? This is a private healthcare decision, but there's, like you said, this is coming from aborted fetus stem cell lines. Right. There's there's difficult moral issues then that mm-hmm. come into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit about sort of what you discovered in mm-hmm. terms of the the um, maybe proximity isn't the right word, but mm-hmm. the connection to using those because you know a parent out there who says, oh yeah, my kids had that vaccination. Mm-hmm. Am I mm-hmm. am I gu- guilty of 
doing something terribly wrong here. Right. What What is the, the Vatican and the Pontifical Academy for Life and, and the bishops, what are, what are they saying about this right. issue? Well, I mean, this issue has been around for quite some time. So, for right. example... These stem cells come from, what, the 60s, right? Well, yes. The, the two, two of the primary um, cell lines, it's the WI38 and MRC-5. Those are two of the primary lines that you see in some of these vaccines. Um, they came from babies that were legally aborted in the 1960s. Um, there's information even down to the gender on these babies. So if you really want to try to humanize this issue, <laughs> yeah, there you go. take a look at the source. Um, so this has been around for some time. Um, and I, But what I think is important to note is you know, the Vatican has uh, addressed this issue um, going back to 2005. The Pontifical Academy for Life uh, addressed this in a letter. Uh, I think it was a mom, if I'm not mistaken, that was really concerned about whether or not she should be getting these vaccines for her child or children. And they came back and said, yes, this is a concern. However, um, you know, they they looked and and there's a lot of nuance in this communication but it essentially comes down to if there is no alternative morally it is acceptable to still vaccinate your your child because of the grave health risks that are associated with not vaccinating i mean mm -hmm. we talk about widespread um you know diseases we've had some issues come up even recently with it was it measles i believe uh, yeah i think so measles yeah. outbreaks uh -huh. and things of that nature. Um, so we have to we have to take that into consideration. And, and they also address pregnant women um, and how this could have an effect on them by not, you know, vaccinating and, and just from a public health concern. Right. Um, so there's that issue. Um, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith um, released Dignitatis, Dignitatis Personae probably mispronounced that <laughs> <laughs> your ecclesial latin is not your <laughs> i'm still working on it <laughs> yeah. uh they had had issued something as well that also addresses this issue in a very similar fashion um, but both of those vatican entities talked about um we still have as catholics a moral obligation to promote vaccines that are you that are not de you know developed without the use of aborted fetal cell lines. Um, so we do have an obligation to go back to our drug manufacturers and our Catholic healthcare systems and our, our hospitals, our doctors, and, and tell them like, this is an important issue for us as Catholics. And something else too that came up, I was talking to John Brahini with the National Catholic Bioethics Center, and he had mentioned how vaccines have come up as an example when scientists are pushing for federal funding for embryonic stem cell mm -hmm. research in that realm. Um, scientists have, have gone to our federal government and said, well, hey, you know, we've been doing this with vaccines for decades. Nobody has a problem with that. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that whole the end justifies the means kind of right, thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. So they're using that as a precedent that has been set um, to so to argue for you know funding and, and development in other areas and so really this is beyond an issue of vaccines but also um, looking at this from a human dignity perspective 
um, and why it's important that we do pay attention to this issue. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so obviously you mentioned the National Catholic Bioethics Center. You mm-hmm. quote a uh, doctor. You, you quote the Vatican documents. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of research and background in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might, you know, maybe for some people they go, okay, okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. What can I do though? Like, mm-hmm. how do I how do I talk to my doctor about this? What do I need to know? Right. Wh- what are these resources and things that that I need to have right. in my hands, bef- you know, so I can be a good parent? Right. So there are some resources within the story on the back page, um, and one of them includes a link um, to I believe it's linked to the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Um, that there are some sample documents that you can use to write to your healthcare providers, um, but also just you know some talking points. Um, I think any of these documents are good um, pieces of information that you can share with your doctor um, to say you know this is an issue, and you know we hope that you share this with others in leadership that this is something that needs to be addressed. Um, another thing is Dr. Abraham, who we interviewed for the story, uh, she has developed a um, infant uh, child vaccination schedule. It adheres to the CDC guidelines, but it minimizes the use of vaccines with aborted fetal tel- fetal cells. Mm. Excuse me. I'm, I have a lot to say here today. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of words, yeah. big words that we try yeah. to put together. Yeah, yeah exactly. So anyway, so she had um, put together the schedule. It does not forego any of the vaccines that the CDC recommends, but there are certain vaccines that you can use instead of that still address the same disease you know, without, you don't have to go mm-hmm. without. And I do want to bring that up, which kind of backtracking a little bit, mm-hmm. but you do touch on that issue, the, this question of some parents not wanting to vaccinate their children at all. Right. Yeah. And Dr. Abraham addresses this um, as well as, you know, in talking to other folks with the National Catholic Bioethics Center, um, even our, our own archbishop, you know, has said like, listen, this is, this is not to be about whether or not to vaccinate your children. Um, this is an issue that um, we're talking about the um, health and safety of a wide population it's the of people. It's common good. Yeah, I mean, that's really what we're talking it about. It is. It's the common good, right. which is a fundamental right. aspect of Catholic social teaching. Right, yeah. So it's an issue that, you know, we, ha- we have to take that into consideration and realize the gravity of, you know, people who choose not to vaccinate. And I realize there are other issues, you know, some people have adverse reactions to vaccines. I realize that there are other factors to consider here, so this is not an end-all, be-all. But in general, generally speaking, um, this is not a question of whether or not to vaccinate. And that's what this you know, pediatrician that we interviewed, she reiterated that. Mm-hmm. Like, We have to take that into consideration. Yeah. And the article really stresses that. And, and like you said, focuses on the moral issues of these specific stem cell lines mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus the issue itself and, and whether or not Right. To do it at all because right. it's kind of, like you said, part of the common good is to, to right. make sure that you don't help spread these diseases to right. other people. Right. So check out those resources if you're interested as a parent or just uh, somebody concerned about, you know, this, this moral issue. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting is, you know, to, to express your thanks to like Glasgow Smith, Glaxo Smith Klein. See, I'm not <laughs> yeah, the only one stumbling <laughs> here. <laughs> so to express your thanks to them for coming up with this, this um, vaccination that doesn't use the aborted fetuses you know so mm-hmm. tweet at them write them a letter mm-hmm. call them you know th- that's the kind of stuff that as catholics we need to do more of to mm-hmm. show that we have mm-hmm. you know 
we are a voice in the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the reason why McDonald's created the filet fish was because of Catholics, you know. So if we can... <laughs> I didn't know, know that. You didn't know that? No. Yes, because, <laughs> because Bert McDonald was noticing during Lent on Fridays that they would just lose all this business. They didn't, you know, nobody would come buy a burger for McDonald's on a Friday. And they realized it was because Catholics didn't eat meat on Fridays. And so they came up with the filet fish Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So maybe we can do the same here with some vaccines, right? We have, we have market power. Right. If we all get together and, and try to uh, use, use that to, to get some good things done, mm-hmm. you know, good things can happen. So right. thanks, Jennifer, for writing this, this article and You're doing welcome. all the research. I know uh, it kind of weighed heavily on you. It did. And, and we, we shared some conversations in, as mm-hmm. you were working up to it and, and, and writing it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is in the August 13th through 19th edition of the St. Louis Review. It's the Living Our Faith section, and uh, you can also find it online. The new St. Louis Review website, yeah. which just launched uh, recently. Art par- all part of ArchSTL. It's very exciting. Yeah, it's mobile-friendly, yeah. so you can look it up on your phone right mm-hmm. now uh, mm-hmm. once you get done listening to this podcast. Um, or maybe you're you know, on your tablet while you're listening to the podcast on your phone. See, we're multi-device right. uh, centric here. We can, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening to the Catholic Gateway Podcast. And Jennifer, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. We always welcome story tips and ideas for the podcast. Just send them to communications at archstl.org. That's communications at archstl.org. Make sure to connect with us on social media to stay up to date with what's going on here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Archdiocese of St. Louis. We're on Twitter, at ArchSTL is our handle there, at ArchSTL. And we're on Instagram, at CatholicSTL. And you should follow the St. Louis Review there on Facebook. Also, Twitter and Instagram under the handle, at St. Louis Review. That's S.T. Lewis Review. The Catholic Gateway Podcast is a production of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. I'm your host, Gabe Jones. We hope you'll join us again next time here in the Gateway to the West, the Rome of the West, Catholic St. Louis.